Good morning, Revolution. How you guys doing today? You guys look good? You guys ready for this big day? So uh, I want to invite you to stand here in just a moment. You don't have to stand just yet because uh, we're getting ready to have a uh, special service. And before we get in, into the flow of what's coming, I wanted to be serious for just a moment. So if I could just have your attention. I want to share a song with you. Uh, this is a new song that I wrote, and I hope to teach it to you here this morning. And I actually wrote this song about, gosh, over 30 years ago. And it was at a time when I was in the military. I was in the Air Force, and I was living in South Dakota. You guys ever been to South Dakota? Anybody? The Hood family? The whole family? Several of you? I used to live in Rapid City. I was stationed there for uh, for three years. and. It was a fun time, but it was also a dark time for me. I was dealing with a lot of stuff, and um, I had a motorcycle, and that was the thing that brought me the most peace. So I, one day after uh, dealing with a lot of bad stuff, I won't go into the details, I jumped on my bike, and I went out into the Black Hills, which is just one of the most beautiful parts of the world that I've ever experienced. It's where Mount Rushmore is. So much to see out there, so much to do. And I just pulled off to the side of the road because there's this lookout spot that nobody knew about. And I, and, I, and I parked my bike, and I walked uh, out to the edge of, of this rock uh, formation where I can just sit and overlook everything. I had this little backpacker guitar in a, in a duffel bag that I carried on my back. And I walked out there, and I'm sitting, and I'm just kind of strumming along. And all of a sudden, this eagle comes down right in front of me, just from out of nowhere. And he just swoops down right in front of me. And I, could, I felt like I could just reached out and grab it. It was a bald eagle. It was the most beautiful thing i ever seen. And then the eagle just turned and, and, and went away from me and just flew away in the mo most majestic scene that I've ever experienced in my life. And I remember sitting there, I'm strumming, and I'm praying. I was like, God, just help me to write a song. Help me to capture this moment in, in a way that I can share with the world so everybody else can understand and feel the experience of beauty of your creation in the way that I just did. So I did. Uh, he, gave me, he gave me the song to write that day, and I'd like to teach it to you. So you guys want to learn a new song? All right. So I'm going to teach you the chorus first, okay? Here we go. All right, now you try. Stand in that place 
It was actually outlawed by the Pope in the 17th century. So we are being super rebellious and Protestant today <laughs> with my stolen everything. It was outlawed by the Pope, perhaps because people were having just too much fun. <laughs> So today in our worship service, you're going to hear uh, some worship music. We're going to celebrate the joy of the Lord, who is our strength. We're going to talk about the theology of laughter. We're going to have some good, cheesy church jokes. Thanks to you all and your help um, with maybe some fun videos uh, just laced throughout. So it's a little bit of a different Sunday. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome if you're worshiping online with us. Uh, and Karen, would you just join me? Uh, I have a call and response, sort of a, a call to worship this morning if you join me. We believe in God who made us in God's image. He is, we love, we have, because we are We believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Lord and Savior. We believe in the Holy Spirit. Forgive us, Lord, when we take ourselves too seriously when we don't claim the happiness that is rightfully ours as your children, when we forget that you will have the last laugh in this world. Amen. So you guys want to learn a new song? It's for real this time. This song's called The House of the Lord. There is joy in the house of the Lord. We're going to teach it to you real quick. Here we go. Shout out your prayer. We were the 
now we're running free. And we are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by his grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. Sing that again. Who are the back? We are the beggar. Now we're royalty. We are the prisoner. Now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. Sing it out. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. We shout out your So you guys will realize it, but we have like these hidden segues that you don't know about because we have a lot of things going on behind the scenes. So this is the part where I tell the band to give me like a D swell so they're going to make the, all this chaotic noise while I tune down. Here we go, band.
I don't know where that was coming from. Somebody's playing a joke on me. So um, I, I wrote a song I'd like to share with you guys. <laughs> For real. It's a love song. I mean, everybody li likes a good love song, right? right? Where's Trish? Am I muted by, by chance? There it is. You guys are looking for Trish like you're you're concerned about her. This is a song that I wrote, which is a sequel to another song that I wrote. 
She loves morning sunrise and her coffee hot and black. She loves working in the yard, spending all her time out back. She loves serving in the church. She loves a volunteer. Yeah, she loves my eyes and she loves my smile. Man, she hates my beard. Well, she loves watching YouTube videos on gardening. She loves traveling everywhere I go to watch me sing. And she loves to be my GPS and tell me where to steer. You guys know what I'm talking about. Don't act like she loves every song I wrote, but man, she hates my beard. She hates my beard. So I sleep with one eye open every night. Cause I'm so scared. In the morning, I might wake up high and tight. That ain't right. Well, she loves baking cookies when the grandkids come around. And she loves taking all kinds of pictures every time that we leave town. And she loves that we've been married now for 25 long years. And she loves to share and she loves my hair, but man, she hates my beard. She hates my beard. She says, whatever you're going through, please make it stop. Yeah, she's made it clear. She didn't marry a band member from ZZ Top. That was my guitar solo. She loves to go to bed at 8 o'clock every night. And she loves to be the subject of all the songs I write. <laughs> And she loves to tell me what to wear, though sometimes I look weird. She loves picking up all my stuff just to watch it reappear. I made that last part up. Yeah, she loves almost everything. She sure hates my beard. Where did she go? I, I, this was this was pre-approved, just so you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'd like to know. She went upstairs to volunteer. Okay. Y'all want to hear another one? Sure. Well, since uh, since we're on the topic of grooming. I want to do a song about a Bible character who's mentioned in a Bible story that came out of the Bible. I didn't write this one. I can't take credit for it. Here we go. Hey there, Delilah, this is your ex-boyfriend, Samson, and I know you thought that lifting weights made me so buff and handsome you were wrong. It's cause I let my hair grow long, made me strong. Hey there, Delilah, you came in while I was sleeping and I couldn't feel you cutting and I didn't hear you creeping out the door. You let my hair pout on the floor while I just snored. 
Oh, what you did to me oh, while I was asleep. Oh, I'm a Nazarene. Oh, but you shaved me clean. Delilah, you're so mean. I killed a lion, picking men, and slaughtered many Philistines with all with a donkey's jawbone. That's no lie. <laughs> but now I'm chained up to the wall, and I can't cry no tears at all because they came and gouged out both my eyes. It's a true story. Book of Judges, fans, check it out. Why did you grab your clipping shears and shave my head like Britney Spears? And now I'm standing here in total shame. You're to blame. Hey there, Delilah, why did you have to deceive me? And it's hard for me to think not long ago I wanted you to be my bride. But you took too much off the sides. Hey there, Delilah, when you die. Just tell the devil I said hi, he'll know why. Oh, what you did to me, oh, now I feel so weak. Oh, I look like a freak, oh, Delilah, you're a geek. You are such a geek. All right, I'm done. <laughs> oh, hang on, hang on. Now I'm done. <laughs> I always thought that little thing fit somewhere. I never knew where, and I think it goes with that song. Yeah. I think it might. Well done, Daryl. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. Amen. I, don't, I think, did all the kids already follow Trish upstairs? I think they did. Okay. She's up there. She loves to volunteer. She's already up there with the kids. I mean, it's good to laugh together, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I think it also comes the Sunday after Easter because it sort of helps, like, lift the weight of Lent, you know, like just the truth of the Easter resurrection. That's the joy of laughter, the gift of laughter and humor. It sometimes helps us you know, the, the, the weight and stress of life can sometimes just lift when they're in the presence of one another, in the presence of the joy of the Lord. They say laughter is the best medicine, after all. And so I'm going to share now uh, just a few of the best churchy jokes that you all sent to me. <laughs> so if you don't laugh, man, you, these are the ones you sent me. <laughs> about half of them, about half of them you sent me. A follow-up from our Easter teaching on worms. One of you says, why didn't Noah let the worms stay in the apple when they got onto the ark? Because everyone had to travel in pairs. Here you go. You got it. I prefaced it with cheesy. Okay. A Sunday school teacher was teaching the Ten Commandments to her five- and six-year-old class. And after explaining the commandment to honor thy father and mother, she asked, now, students, is there a commandment that teaches us how to treat our brothers and sisters? And one little boy shouted out, thou shall not kill. 
Another, a kindergarten teacher was observing her class and walking around the room as the children drew pictures. And as she approached one little girl who was working especially hard, the teacher asked, what are you drawing? The little girl said, I'm drawing God. The teacher replied, but sweetie, no one knows what God actually looks like. And the girl, without missing a beat, continuing to draw, responded, well, they certainly will in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) What do you get if you cross? And listen closely. What do you get if you, it's like a riddle. If you cross an insomniac with an agnostic with a dyslexic. Someone, there you knew it. All right, someone who lies awake at night and wonders if there's a dog. <laughs> Dyslexic, dog, God. That was, I should have, but um, Chris said he could have stayed up there for me and done that every time. It's okay. I said, no, 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 it's okay. Uh, what, this is one of my favorites. This is the ones I found out. Are you ready? What do you call a sleepwalking nun? A roaming Catholic. What make of car did the apostles drive? A Honda, because they were all in one accord. Good job, Sharon. Okay, what kind of car did Jesus drive? A donkey? Good guess. A Chrysler? So, me and my girl Pearl are close with the Lord in my Pacifica when we drive around town. Okay, how many Methodists does it take to change a light bulb? (laughs) All of them? Maybe. A ten. It takes ten. Just Kendall around here. (laughs) Just one. One one Methodist church mouse. Uh Uh-oh, here he comes. Kendall, how many Methodists does it take to change a light bulb? Yes. (laughs) A ten... One to change the bulb and ten to say how much they liked the old one better. <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't. Daryl already did a great job transitioning us to the story of Samson in Judges. If you don't know it, it's a really good one, but I found Delilah, her Instagram story. <laughs> When she about to destroy the most powerful homeboy in the hood. I thought this was, this is, uh, maybe she doesn't want to be named, but one of you decided to send me all memes instead of jokes. Jesus asking the disciples, can't you guys at least pretend that you're planning to stay awake? (laughs) Got a pillow and a blanket and a teddy bear. Jesus says, let the children come, or whoever, while he's teaching. So my dad told them, guys, come on, seriously, don't eat that. First thing she does is eat it. So yeah, that's why I'm here. (laughs) That's how I got here. Somebody on this table will betray me, and this is (laughs) Judas. (laughs) Daryl, have you seen this next one? This is a joke about contemporary Christian music. This is a joke about contemporary Christian music. Wait, then there's a key change, and this is a joke about contemporary Christian music. (laughs) This is good after last week as well. John recording in scripture that he was faster than Peter (laughs) when he outran him on the way to the tomb. 
Special note. Good job, John. Good job, buddy. And then online service. Y'all look great. God is good. Can I get an amen? Here are the online service congregants. Some of you have told me which one of these four you identify with. I'm glad to see. We do have a couple that are still in robes today. <laughs> and your, your togas, you look great. <laughs> and I do not promote um, violence in any stretch, but I, this one I just also couldn't pass up. Call an ambulance, but not for me. <laughs> It's just too good. It's too good. It's too good. Okay, and then this is my last joke. This is my last joke. Last one for now. During a Sunday school lesson, a child learned about how God created human beings. <laughs> the child became especially focused when the teacher explained how Eve was created from Adam's side, from his ribs. So later in the week, the boy's mother saw him lying down on the floor. So she asked him what was wrong. And his reply Mom, I have a pain in my side. I think I'm getting a wife. <laughs> I'm a wife, so I can say that. I can joke. The perks. Laughter is really the best medicine. It really is. It's good for the soul. Even says this in Proverbs 17:22. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a downcast spirit dries up the bones. I think few things I want to share with you. Maybe you've called it kind of the theology of laughter. This is not, don't quote me on that. It's not full. But the power of laughter in our lives, I think there's three ways that it's really good for us. I think it's good for our bodies. It's good for our souls. And it's good for our Christian hope. It's good for our hope. You may know this, the health impacts of laughter and of humor and comedy. Studies show that it is actually physically, biologically, scientifically good for our bodies. She's good, man. Make a joyful noise. <laughs> humor, it, studies have shown that humor strength, strengthens the immune system. It lowers blood pressure. It can protect our heart. That doesn't necessarily prevent heart problems, but laughter can help lower your chances of a heart attack or stroke. Frequent belly laughs help the respiratory system. When one laughs, their lungs empty good portions of air, producing sort of a cleansing effect. You guys, have you had that, you know, feeling? It doesn't happen too terribly often, but, like, you can't breathe kind of you're laughing so hard or your stomach hurts or you've laughed so hard that you almost are sick. I've done that before, that I've laughed so hard. Or just so those fits of laughter. Daryl and I were talking about this this week. We're like, you don't even remember what you're laughing at with a friend, but you just get caught in a fit of laughter and you can't really make noise or breathe or stop. <laughs> That's why I really wasn't allowed to sit immediately next to my dad at church growing up because we would get to chuckling about something and my mom would, you know, you know, give us the eye or elbow us, you know, get laughing about something. Yeah. It reduces stress, can release endorphins, laughter does, which makes us feel good, reduces cortisol levels in your blood, which then reduces stress levels. It increases our pain tolerance. Laughter stimulates both sides of the brain, which increases our learning and retention. It also can function as a, a muscle relaxer, right? It results in kind of relaxation and release of stress. And it can even be a great coping device to get us through stressful situations, to alleviate 
the, the difficult time that we are in, the season, the weight that we are in, it can relieve tension and build relationships. Probably the best thing of all about laughter is it's free. It's free. So here's, another, here's your free dose for the day of laughter. <laughs> puppies to campus right before finals week and you get like puppy therapy of playing with puppies what is it about hearing a baby laugh that it's just like everything else just kind of floats away and Andrew there you are buddy did you see I told you you're gonna get you know he's just in this really great season right now where you know when he sees brother when he sees daddy anything he just I think he sees himself up there right now just cackles just laughs and it is just the greatest source of joy um, I, that video of Matt was like a minute longer <laughs> than just that. I also got permission to, he is always that goofy, yes, in case you're wondering. Always that goofy. Laughter is good for our bodies. It is also good for our souls. I think it's how we were created. Created in the image of God to, to find joy and humor and delight in things that God has created. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Anyone know uh, the first place in scripture where laughter is recorded? Someone laughs, or like, you know, I'm sure Adam and Eve laughed, I hope, especially in the Garden of Eden. This is going to, Sarah, yeah, Genesis 17 and 18, when God tells, so it's actually Abraham and Sarah, they both laugh, but it's when God tells them that they're going to have a baby in their old age. Abraham falls over laughing, falls on his face in humor. But it's actually two different types of laughter. We see Abraham has sort of this like joyful, just like overwhelmed, falling over, yes, that can't believe it, but also in sort of this like adoration of God. Sarah laughs scornfully. She laughs in disbelief, but as like in lack of faith and questions like, no, are you serious? But also laughs at herself and her own perceived inability. She, she laughs scornfully at herself in her situation. So it's these two sort of images, and God actually responds to them differently. To Abraham, he sort of joins in on the joke. And God's like, okay, yeah, let's name him Isaac then, the one who laughs. Let's name him laughter. And to Sarah, he responds, why are you laughing? Do you believe that anything is too wonderful for God? So we see sort of these two responses. The first time that laughter is included in scripture. What I also found interesting in my study of laughter in scripture this week is that there's actually three times recorded throughout the Psalms in which God laughs. You guys come across this. Now remember the Psalms were often, they're, they're a book of prayers and they were often used in personal and corporate worship to guide prayer. So we often don't always know the human author of these psalms, or we know how some of them were used, especially if it was in corporate worship. But oftentimes you see God uh, personified in different ways, and sometimes it's the prayer of the person who imagines God responding in certain ways. And three times in the psalms, 
God is seen laughing. But it's not joyful. It's not necessarily scornful either. But it's God actually laughing at the enemies of God. God laughing at evildoers and plotters of injustice. It's laughing at those who oppose God's justice and peace. So imagine praying, crying out to God in the depths of human emotion, a psalmist imagining God laughing in the face of their enemies. Again, not scornful. Like, we got to be careful here. We're talking about holy humor, which I had to remind the team several times today. (laughs) Clean, funny, churchy humor, but also getting at the theology, right, of the joy and humor and laughter of God. Right? So we have to be careful that we don't laugh at the expense of others in sort of a mean and cruel way to make fun of, to poke fun. This is hard sometimes, especially if you're in a family who really loves sarcasm. Because the way that sarcasm works is that someone's usually left out of the joke. Right? You're laughing at their expense. But still we're talking about something different here. This is the idea of seeing sort of the The awful and the evil, the darkness that still exists, even on this side of Easter, when we're in sort of this overlap, like Christ has come and been resurrected and ascended, but not he hasn't quite returned yet. We still deal with a lot of difficult things. And so to imagine the the strength, the joy of the Lord as our strength, as one who laughs at those who seek to oppose God's reign and God's rule and God's justice and God's peace. There's power in that laughter. There's power in that laughter. Lauren Winner says this in the Psalms, God laughs three times at evildoers and plotters of injustice. God is laughing because God knows the right ordering of the cosmos, the final order. God knows that ultimately the unjust will not triumph. And then laughing at those who oppose God's justice and God's peace. The reordering of the cosmos. God knows that God eventually, ultimately, will have the last laugh. I think it's this reordering of sort of the work that we see announced in Christ and in his coming. This this reconciliation of all things. This reordering of the whole order of creation back to how it was intended to be in the beginning. And it's what we see Mary sort of celebrate when she, when God announces this, the angel of the Lord announces to Mary that you're going to have a child. And she doesn't laugh, but she responds. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. You can hear her talking about this reordering of things, this final redemption for Israel who has been scattered, who has been put down. The same work announced by Jesus in Luke 4, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is one of my favorite images in the Gospel of Luke when Jesus stands up in his hometown synagogue, his hometown church, and he reads from the scroll of Isaiah. And then he says this reading has been fulfilled. This prophecy has been fulfilled in its reading today. That's a really big deal. Such a big deal 
that they're like, who does this guy think that he is? And they try to run him out of town and off the side of a cliff. <laughs> That's why I tell people, you going into ministry, be careful preaching in your hometown. <laughs> be careful preaching in your home church. <laughs> it's supposed to be a joke. It's okay. It's fine. It's my hometown, I know. I was referring to the first time preaching at my home church. It, it went, it was fine. They didn't try to kill me. It was okay. It's not, it's not too big of a deal. It actually, yeah, it wasn't a big deal. God's work of redemption in Jesus Christ that he announces here, this reshuffling of things, the reordering of the cosmos, an invitation into that upside-down kingdom of God, upside-down according to the, wor- the world, because remember, to the world, the gospel is foolishness. It doesn't make sense. It's seeing a way of life to this kingdom that is coming that is not always immediately obvious. And it's having the hope and the joy to see it and to believe it and to live into it. The gospel is foolish according to the world. And this is really the message at the heart of Holy Humor Sunday. When we celebrate Jesus, the one who was willing to become human, to take on the form of a servant, to be outcast, to be ridiculed, to be publicly humiliated, to to be made a mockery, to be made fun of, to be considered a joke. I found this in a book, Ordinary Radicals, by Harvey Cox. Like the jester, Christ defies custom and scorns crowned heads. Like a wandering troubadour, he has no place to lay his head. Like the clown in the circus parade, he satirizes existing authority by riding into town replete with regal pageantry when he has no earthly power. Like a minstrel, he frequents dinners and parties. At the end, he is consumed by his enemies and mocking caricature of royal paraphernalia. He is crucified amidst snickers and taunts with a sign over his head that lampoons his laughable claim. That's why I put it up there. There's a lot to digest there. Jesus as this holy fool and trickster besting the devil. Jesus, who was humiliated and mocked, I mean, they put a crown of thorns on his head, and they wrapped him in royal, like, you know, as if it was the purple, as if it was royal garments. And then they stripped him and, and cast lots. And sometimes you'll see them, you know, in, like, reenactments of that crucifixion, the Roman soldiers and guards, you know, putting those things on and making fun of Jesus, the one who claimed to be a king. Cruci- crucifixion was intended to unmask the pretension and arrogance of those who had exalted themselves beyond their station. That's how they perceived Jesus. And yet it was through that and how he redeemed the cross and died for us that the lowly will be lifted, that we will be exalted. Those who humble themselves now will be exalted in the kingdom to come. All of this, of course, hinges on that resurrection, that great cosmic joke on the enemy. The strongest powers of the world couldn't hold him in that grave, but come the next day, it was Jesus who fulfilled all of the promises. I think it's the laughter of God who, who knows that ultimately the unjust and the evil and our sin and our shame, those things will not triumph. Those things do not triumph. And it's because of this, because of the Easter resurrection, that laughter and joy it can also be the source of our greatest hope. 
of anticipating that world that is to come. When Jesus says in the Sermon on the Plain, those who hunger now will be fed, those who weep now will laugh. Our sorrow turned to rejoicing, our mourning to dancing and singing. It's an anticipation then, an anticipation then of the world to come. And so what do we do now in the in-between? What role should humor and laughter and joy have? Especially, to be honest, in some seasons, well, we just may not feel like laughing. It may not feel jovial and light and fun all the time. And I think then in finding joy and humor in things and laughing can also be sort of an act of defiance, an act of hope, an act of believing that this is not the end, that these things of the world will not triumph, that the kingdom of God is coming. I sort of, uh, there's some quotes from like the National Comedy Center, so some, uh, some, secular, some secular comedians I read a lot this week about how they see the role of comedy and laughter in their line of work. This is Jim Gaffigan. When we face tragedies in life, which we all have, comedy is a way to take power back from the situation. It's a healing art, another said. It has power to transform people, even in the short term and in the long term. Pat Oswalt said, it is an act of creation to make a joke. It's an act of creation. So if there is something that was an act of negation and death in our lives, if we react to it with an act of creation, that is really beautiful. That's what he says. It's an act of creation to make a joke. So I think for us, the laughter then can be that source of hope to remind us that the joy of the Lord is our strength, even as we continue to face difficulties and challenges in this world. For me, there's always room for a really good belly laugh. It's this yes and. Yes, life continues to be hard. Yes, we still lose and, and grieve and have sorrow sometimes. Yes, we are still scared in many ways but we can feel both at the same time, to still find joy in the midst of the sorrow, to still find places to laugh in a community of believers who will remind us of the world to come. It's the yes and. Yes, and Jesus Christ still reigns. Yes, and Jesus Christ will return. Yes, and the joy of the Lord will always be our strength. It's the holy laugh, an Easter laugh to be Easter people, to laugh in the face of all of the powers of world and powers of death and powers of darkness that still, still try to grab a hold of our lives sometimes. And it reminds me then, the last thing I'll share with you, it reminds me of the image of wisdom or the, the image of the woman of noble character in Proverbs 31. It was recited by men at Shabbat to honor their wives, to celebrate and praise their wives, sort of defined as a woman of valor, a woman of courage, a woman of noble character. And in one of the verses, it says this, strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. Other translations will say that she laughs without fear of the future. 
That's the holy humor for us this morning, that we may find joy and strength in the presence of God and to laugh without fear of the future. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for the joy and hope and strength of Christ Jesus, for the ability to laugh, to to find joy together in our friendships. Even, Lord, we thank you for the ability to laugh in the midst of trial and to rejoice in the darkest valley, because we know that's just another way of saying our hope is in you. Fill us with laughter and joy while we work for peace and strive for justice. Help us, God, to live so foolishly for you that we draw onlookers and those who would deride us. And while they watch and mock, change all our hearts that we might learn to laugh at the foolishness this world calls normal and run away with the circus that is real life. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Christ our Lord invites you, all of those who maybe feel like you don't have a source of joy today or you've been uh, the butt of a joke at times or you've been mocked or made fun of, this is your invitation to come to remember the source of our hope and our joy and our strength, to remember that we may be called fools in the world, but thanks be to God that it's God who has the very last laugh. And the joy of that coming kingdom we sort of get a glimpse of this morning in our laughing, in our singing, in our dancing, in our feasting. And so I invite you this morning to remember the sacrifice that God made on your behalf of Jesus, the jester, the troubadour, the minstrel, the one mocked and shamed, all that you might have life and have it abundantly. So I'm going to invite those as they prepare, they'll come and help us as, as we serve this morning. We'll have our two stations like normal with a wafer and a cup. With just a moment, I, I hope to reflect on holy laughter and the source of power that it can be in our lives. God, we ask that you'd pour yourself out on us gathered here on these gifts of bread and cup. Would you truly make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we might be for the world, redeemed, set free, your hands and feet, working for your peace and your justice, no matter what others say. By your Holy Spirit, O Lord, would you make us one with you, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we can feast at that great heavenly banquet. We love you, Lord, and we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ.